Hey, Rockheads. The Norwegian Developers Conference is once more coming to London, December 1st through the 5th. Come hang out with Richard and me in the fishbowl, while hobnobbing with such celebrities as John Skeet, Don Syme, Scott Allen, Denise Jacobs, Damian Edwards, and many more. That's NDC London, December 1st through 5th. Check it out online at ndc-london.com. And save yourself 200 pounds on a three-day conference pass and 300 pounds on an all-access pass if you register before October 15th. We'll see you in London. .NET Rocks, Episode 1042, with guest Lino Tadros. Recorded Sunday, September 20th, 2014. Hey, Richard. Hey, buddy. Guess where we are? We are in San Francisco. Yeah, we're in San Fran at uh, FalafelCon, mm-hmm. the second FalafelCon, yeah. hosted by none other than our guest, this show, Lino Tadros. Lino's here. We'll be talking to him in a minute, but uh, well, it's the end of the day on the first day. Yep. You've been working all day. Yeah, I've been here recording, recording video for MSDN, nice. and that's been fun. I've had the easy job. Well, you know what's what's been very cool. Yeah, you were the keynoter, right? Yeah. So that I get done first. Now I can just drink. And you know, I'll probably have a blog post somewhere about everything that went wrong in getting here. But yeah. we were squared out. We were squared away by the end of your keynote. Oh, you so. got it done as usual. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's a scramble for things. Yeah. Well, I'm tempted to go into the story now, but we just don't have time, yeah. and nobody really cares for anyway. another day. So, so let's roll that crazy music, awesome. and we'll do better. No framework. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, I wrote a blog post because I had a great experience. Uh, and the experience was I wanted to have a portable, compact, bulletproof platform for Xamarin development. Oh, really? Because, you know, you if you're going to do iOS stuff, you need a Mac. Right. And so I have a Mac Mini. Right, the little box. Yeah, that I've been using with my laptop. And then I'm just like, why not just get a MacBook Pro? And you can run Windows and Mac OS right. at the same time. And so, they are beautiful machines. There's no two ways about it's it. It's a beautiful machine. Yeah. And I don't miss the touchscreen. Oh, really? Because there's no touchscreen. Of course not. I find myself touching the screen, of course. Do you really? You know, I love it. It's just because <laughs> you have to, right? Yeah. But uh, no, I don't miss it at all. And um, I'm, I'm just loving the hardware and loving the fact that it's all integrated in one screen it's like one desktop i know it's two os's running right. simultaneously i'm using parallels okay to run which win 8 win 8.1 enterprise oh interesting okay so first of all the macbook pro i got the option i got all the options so i have the one terabyte <laughs> drive which is a pcie x interface it's right. faster than ssd sure yeah it's directly against the bus directly against the bus yeah so it's ridiculous and it's a terabyte so you got enough space you got enough space so the blog post uh, is at carlfranklin.net. Uh, I would give you a tiny URL to it right now. Tiny URL seems to be down. So oh, nice. Uh, probably well, you'll come back I'll up. I'll put a direct link to the blog post in the show notes so people can always get it that way. Yeah, or you can go to carlfranklin.net, which is my blog, and it's probably the first uh, or the second story down, whoever. Who, who knows? I don't know how many stories I have up there, but I don't post all that much. So you'll find it. So all about mobile development then. This Yeah. This system. Yes. Well, and the name of the, the blog post is MacBook Pro plus Parallels plus Windows 8.1 plus Visual Studio plus Xamarin equals awesome. <laughs> and that's just true. Right. Um, there's no friction. 
and I just love it. So there you go. If you want to know exactly, and by the way, it's not just a hey, this is great. Uh, I show you in step by step how you set it up, how to set it up. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a good one, man. I love yeah. it. Thanks. That's a classic blog post too. That's notes to you about how you set up your machine. Yeah. That everybody can read now. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good one. Yep. And I've already gotten tweets from people who say, hey, I'm following suit. Nice. Yep. All right. There you Was go. It, so you, you call it the, the, the great dev machine. Is this five grand? I'm not even saying how much it was. It was, it was more. It was really it expensive. It was more. Yeah. All right. No, it was in that area. But it's yeah. okay. I'm just thinking for December. You yeah. Know? Who knows? Maybe this is what a system somebody will want. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe because it's all in one. Yeah. I like it. All right. Who's uh, who's talking to us? Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 994, the one we did with Mr. Chris Hardy, when we talked about Xamarin Forms for the first time, because I pretty much guarantee we are not getting out of this show today without talking about Xamarin Forms. And he more. also talked about uh, peppermint hot chocolate and Christmas time, <laughs> which he's really a fan of. <laughs> and we're huge fans of Chris, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And this comment comes from Shady Najib, who's from Egypt. We actually uh, sent him a tablet show mug, and now he's going to get a Dot and Rocks mug. He says, awesome. uh, I think Xamarin Forms should have been built long before, given that the average C-sharp developer would be more familiar with XAML and the Microsoft way of development rather than getting to know a new paradigm of UI and development for Android and iOS. Mm. This should get even more people starting to use Xamarin as a way to, quote, code less and build more. Apps spanning more platforms. Yeah. Yet I'm wondering about the Windows Phone story, even wondering more about why it was missed as a question by Richard and Carl, which mm. is fair mm -hmm. because without Xamarin Forms, the Windows Phone story inside of the Xamarin space is not that good. Well, you know, in fact, I think Xamarin has done more to get people programming against both Windows 8 and Windows Phone than they would have otherwise because yeah. it's just easy. I mean, Especially with with uh, Xamarin Forms, right? Well, this is, I mean, Such we, but we never brought that up specifically in the show that Xamarin Forms plays with Windows. Not as in well. that show, but yeah. but we have brought it up before, and it is an important point, and yeah. you know, our miss. Uh, Shitty goes on to ask: Is Windows Forms apps considered in Xamarin Forms? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and if not, will it be considered in later versions? No, it won't, because it's already considered in earlier versions. Yeah. Uh, at least, is there a way to integrate it with the current way Xamarin Forms handle things? You bet. My only choice is to code as much as I can through the PCL and create UI projects for, for Xamarin's Arms, targeting iOS, Android, and Windows Phone, and another one just for the Windows Store. Nope, they all work together pretty much. So, you know, we talked about this with Chris. Yeah. It's one project, mm. but variations in compilation depending on what you want to do. So you can make all the platforms. Yeah, it's one solution. One solution, right. With four projects. With four projects. Yeah. That's the right way to yep. do it. And you have one project that is the UI, which is either a portable class library or a shared library, yep. which doesn't actually compile. And then you have implementation projects for each platform. But that's all the, the native code. It's still C-sharp, but it's going to be compiled to native code. And uh, all the UI stuff is done in a XAML flavor in the first project. Nice. Yeah. You're doing a workshop on this dev intersection. I am. You? Yeah, I'm totally into it. I've I've written several apps. I in, can see how this show is going to go today. Yeah, it's going to be great. But but I want to hear Lino's perspective because he's got much much more experience in the whole atmosphere of the mobile apps, entire thing. ecosystem. So yeah. let me ring this up by saying, Shady, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks .com or in any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Windows 8, Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS and Android. Speaking of mobile apps, indeed. Uh, and before we go any further, I got to tell you, Pluralsight is home to the largest technology and creative training library on the planet. 
on this planet anyway. I don't know what they have on Mars. <laughs> they have thousands of developer IT and creative courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release dozens of... Mars. I'm sorry. Where did you go? Uh, Mars. Um, people are signing up to go to Mars. I know. Yeah. We'll do a geek out on it. It's freaking it's crazy. It's a one-way trip. It's crazy. You know, there's no air there. Yeah. You know, you can't just say, okay, I'm here. I'll go home now. No. no. <laughs> You're going to die there. <laughs> I'm going away from the earth to die. That's what I'm going to do. Going to my um, early cemetery. All question right. of how long? Sorry, I digress. Yep. A little distressed. Yeah. Okay. So Pluralsight releases dozens of new courses every month. They're going to love this. That's a beautiful ad, really, deep down. Yeah, dozens of new courses every month, and they offer a 10-day free trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything and everything Microsoft. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to Lino. Lino Tadros. Alain Lino Tadros is president and CEO of Falafel Software, a Silicon Valley-based company with presence in Colorado, Texas, Michigan, Florida, and North Carolina, dedicated to providing world-class consulting, training, and software development for small, medium, and enterprise-level businesses. Prior to founding Falafel, Lino was a member of the development team at Borland for Delphi and C++ Builder. Lino's been awarded Microsoft MVP status 11 years. Is 11 or 12? 12. 12 years. You've got wow. to update your bio. In a row for his numerous contributions to the C-Sharp community. And he's an expert in .NET, Link, ASP.NET, MVC, XAML, Windows Phone, and Web Services. Lino is an industry-renowned speaker and has given numerous presentations on five different continents. Is that still five? Yeah, it's probably like, more. We're looking for the sixth one. All right. <laughs> Conference since, in Antarctica. <laughs> since 1994. He also currently sits on the board of directors of four Silicon Valley corporations. Welcome back, Lino. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to be here in your town and at your conference. Tell us about FlawfulCon. How did this happen? This is actually fun for us. Uh, we flew in 20 of the employees here to the Bay Area. This is the second annual. The first right. one, we had it in Mountain View yeah. uh, last year in, uh, at the Microsoft office. Offices. This year is at the uh, San Francisco offices. Right. Uh, it's going great so far. Thank you for everything. You guys did a great job today. Thanks, man. Oh, and we we're looking forward to tomorrow, but we have a great uh, amount of people and great uh, uh, discussions going on in the hallways, and the sessions went very well, so we're very, very excited. Well, you know, we're here, and that's fine, but it's the speakers that are great. I mean, there's great speakers here. Yeah, we have quite some a very good ones. Yes. I, I got the pleasure to sit in the front row and watch Dan Waleen today. He is amazing, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's great. I am such Excellent a Excellent speaker. I've yeah, always been yeah. a big fan, so... Yeah, and uh, Scott Allen is here as Scott well. Scott Allen's here. James Montemagno from, from Xamarin. Xamarin. Yep, that was great. So yep. great speakers, great content, and just nice people. Yeah, very nice. Down to earth and love all of them. Wonderful people. It's, Where do we begin? There's so many things we, what to talk about. We, we, we were going to talk about uh, Borland and Anders. You were on the show before, and then we had Anders on, and we did the squash story, how you kicked his ass in squash. And uh, and that's pretty surprising, you know? And that I was mean, actually at the Borland building? Yes. That yes. you've moved Falafel's offices to? Two weeks ago, yes. So wow. how did this happen? So you, this is the office you used to work in yes, with yes. Anders. 
Yeah, that, it was a, an amazing thing, actually. The building where we used to work uh, probably for 10 years, yeah. over 20 years ago, yeah. mm-hmm. um, it's one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever been into. Yeah. Uh, it's in Scotts Valley. And I remember Philippe Kahn actually um, used to come to us before releasing products like Quattro Pro and Paradox and Delphi. Yeah. And he used to ask, hey, if you guys ship on time, I'll build something for you. So he built some things like a squash court and tennis courts and Olympic-sized swimming pool. And, wow. And the building is just amazing. One of the most beautiful buildings ever. And uh, it's been 21 years. And my dream when I left the company uh, is that one day I'll I'll build something like that or work in something like that again. And right. yeah. um, I guess I've been very blessed that uh, two weeks ago we just moved into the building and Falafel now works from that building. That's so awesome. And it's uh, just a blessing and it's a beautiful building. And there was another story you told me about um, how you took over. You started with a, a corner of it, yeah, yeah. and then you had plans to yeah, expand um, into the yeah. rest of it. Because yeah. it's a half a million square footage, and right. Falafel is a small company. Yeah, right. So we didn't take the whole building, but yeah. it's pretty empty over there. So we're going to start taking one mod at a time. And hopefully by uh, uh, episode 2000, <laughs> for Donald Rocks, <laughs> I will let you know that <laughs> the building has been uh, settled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you great. been back in that squash court? Is it still there? Yes. I've actually, for the last two weeks that we have moved, I've been there three times already. Oh, I miss no it kidding. so much, and I uh, love it. And I'll be, uh, I'll be taking care of myself doing that. You point to the spot where Anders was appalled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people ask me about that. It's kind of fun. It's a lot of fun. Actually, Anders put something on my Facebook, actually congratulating me and the team. And oh, that's awesome! It was awesome. I was Were you able proud. to find your old office? Yes, yes. I've really? been to see my old office. It was. Uh, it's really amazing. It's very emotional to yeah, me. My team is happy for me, but um, for me, it's, it means a lot because mm-hmm. this is what I learned uh, a lot and put me on the right track to uh, to uh, success. So I'm very, very grateful for Borland, for Borland and, uh, and I'm very happy to be in that building. That's awesome. All right. So let's sort of recap what's happened in the last couple of years. I mean, when was the last time you were on the show? A year ago? Was that? Uh, a tablet show in January of this year on the road trip. Okay. Oh, yes. And that's we were right. Talking a bit of, well, that was we were talking about hybrid development then you're yes. a little cordova and a little xamarin but that's before xamarin forms was even right yes. that's right so i mean i'm really glad to circle back with you man because you're one of those guys with a real eye on the whole ecosystem of mobile and tablet development and so i like seeing how you're thinking about it what works and what doesn't work because it helps me point in the right direction and for those who haven't heard the tablet shows that you did early on with us um the very first one i asked you are you using xamarin tools or any of the hybrid tools and you said no man we're just we're going native on every platform that's how you started in this business and on all of those things that was a show we did in bulgaria in bulgaria it was almost like the very uh, first three four years shows. ago yeah, yeah it was one of the first i remember shows. what i told you at the time is that we can use these other things but because of what apple did because of right. adobe and the others right. was, uh, our customers were scared so we went right. straight to objective c and java for android because we didn't want to take a chance yeah a lot of Things have changed, of course, in the industry. Sure, like usual. yeah, yeah. So now we actually uh, we rarely go back to Objective C. Some customers are still asking for Objective C, and yeah. we do that, but it's very rare right yeah. now. Between the hybrid and the Xamarin, uh, some people ask for Swift even now. Really, yeah. already? Yeah, they want to learn cool. it and they want to actually build the stuff on it because they want to stay very close to uh, to Apple. Yeah. So it's. Uh, have you it's spent some time on Swift? What do you I, think? I'm looking. At that. It's fine As, for me. It's better than Objective C. For well, some people sure. say they like it better, but. It depends, of course. It's a language, right? So yeah, sure. uh, after you've been in the industry for uh, as many years as we are, <laughs> yeah. it's just a different syntax. Just in a language. Uh, people right. say Objective-C is ugly. Well, if you work on it for two weeks, it's just a syntax. You'll move on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not yeah, a big exactly. deal. Yeah, we did a show a while back with, uh, with, with Glenn House, who's a straight-up iOS developer. Right. And for him, coming from the Objective-C world, the things in Swift he really appreciated. But he didn't have the C-sharp background. 
so he just looked at it very. I really liked his take because it was so different from our take. Right. So I mean, I also appreciate you. You clearly know your way around C sharp just fine. You know, looking at Swift and going, yeah, you'll recognize it. I also like Glenn because he he didn't have any preconceptions of what the community expected from him yes. because he's not in our community. He's not in our community. And so, you know, he was able to say stuff like, yeah, not so crazy about generics, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, and, you know, I, it's just, I had a lot That's of pain with templates <laughs> and, you know, I figured out ways around them. And so, you know, it just doesn't, and he's perfectly productive no, without, you know, apps. there's nothing wrong Can't with argue that. with delivering software. Yeah. So as IBM computers, I don't think more than four or five houses will ever have a PC in it. Either, <laughs> so it's, it's okay. <laughs> All right, so we've talked enough. So let's talk to you about the sort of the state of it. I mean, are you doing a lot of Xamarin forms now or do you find it limiting? What What's your feeling about Not Xamarin at all, forms? actually. we uh, My team is in love with the Xamarin forms. I think it's the biggest selling point of using Xamarin right now. Wow. So yes. we just released a couple of apps in the, the all the stores based on Xamarin forms. We even created one internally called falafel to go that we just released this week. Hmm. And we're giving all the source code for everybody on our blog for the app so that they can see how to write a full app yeah. um, for the iOS and for Android. Android um, and giving Jesse Liberty is writing the blogs every week. So we have a part one, part two. So we're giving all the source code, but we're explaining people how to use it and what to watch for and how Xamarin forms work and so on. So we're expecting this to be informal for uh, a lot of people. That's really cool. And and speaking back to Shady's comment as well. So Xamarin forms in WinFoam, yeah. just adjust another platform. Yeah, I, I agree. Like we always talked before is that yeah. 70% or sometimes 60 to 70% of the code is reused between all of them. And you just right. have to concentrate on the UI for each and every one of the guidelines just, for the phones. I think just to give people um, something to compare it to, I like to think of Xamarin Forms as the promise of Silverlight mm -hmm. fulfilled for all of these platforms. I mean, you know, if you think about what Silverlight was promised to do sure. in the beginning, it was great. And this was before iPhones and any of that stuff. The devices of the day could all run at, you know, Remember it was a big deal was going to run on a Mac. Like yeah, that was huge. That was huge, right. And then, uh, of course, you know, now we're doing the same thing, just in XAML, but 100%, and I can't say it's XAML like WPF XAML or like Silverlight XAML, it's XAML-ish, yes. you know, but it's the same stuff that you're used to. The controls are different, but it's the same stuff. So with that and C Sharp, 100%. 100%. No Java, no Objective-C, no Swift, no nothing, but C-sharp and XAML. You can do all that And it will stuff. compile all in native at the end. Yes, and mm -hmm. it compiles all native. What about, I mean, the, the concerns I've been reading about is it is a V1 product. Like, there's pieces that aren't there yet. And that's the piece that I'm actually excited about. Oh, because yeah. there is so much more you can do for Xamarin right. Forms. So as a start, we're already hitting the ground running. Mm -hmm. So I can, I would love to see what's happening in 2015 and 16 with Xamarin Forms because they would, they have a very, very smart team there in Boston. Yes, so I, I trust them that they will do a great job. And I'm very excited about that piece. I mean, the whole framework is great. And we use it already, and yeah. it's definitely productive. For C-sharp programmers, really, there's no way to, to think about anything yeah. else, to be honest with you. But it's that compelling. It right? is. The very story's compelling. over. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a player in the game in iOS and Android today. Mm -hmm. You know, you still have to understand Cocoa Framework, and you have to understand the framework. Sure. I mean, learning C-sharp and being a Xamarin developer will not make you an expert in iOS and Android. You right. still have to do Some people have met that misconception. I know C-sharp. I can write whatever I want. Yes. It's right. not the case. Yes. You still need to understand the Cocoa Framework and how Java and the the how uh, tooming happening <laughs> happens in yeah. these applications. You have to learn the, the platform. Yeah. Right. But as far as writing code for it, it will not be difficult after that. Once you understand these things, it's just 
the way you, you write C-sharp code, you learn a couple of things and you'll be very successful now, not only for a Windows programmer, but now you're adding iOS and Android on completely different platforms mm -hmm. to do that. And the UIs are still different. Like, you know, you're making mm. Xamarin forms here. It's rendering different on the different devices. And, and that's sometimes for, for doing services. A customer comes to us with that question specifically, mm -hmm. or even a remark. Yeah. And they will say, like, the bad thing is I want you to write the UI once. That's the beauty of it. And run it on all of them. Right. And I told them that's exactly what you do not want. Right. <laughs> that's exactly what you don't want. Because yeah. you, the, you, you want to be writing an application that will look right for that platform. For each device. So this right one run everywhere, like, the, the old days of Java stuff like that that should not happen for the UI and should not be asking for something that's a bad request actually yeah. so you have to respect the 600 pages of guidelines for UI from Apple and from Android and from Windows Phone right. but you don't want to actually write the, the grunt work and find out how HTTP client works for iOS and how it works for Android and how it works for that stuff right. so you can concentrate doing the 60-70% but you always have to spend some time writing the UI for that platform, and the Xamarin Forms will help you. The extra 30% will do it in, no, in a breathe. So that. that's, what, that's the big thing, is that you're, you're, you're expressing what your intent is with the XAML, but it's rendered with the native UI of the, of the tool. It's not like a UI layer that runs on all of these things that looks the same. So, so an iOS app looks like an iOS yes, app. Right. But Lino's right, though. You still have to put... The, the, you know, the, the borders in the right place the and you have to put touches. the nice little touches yeah. that the yeah. Apple people are used to for. Yeah. yeah. There's also been an argument that, you know, if you're Facebook, you make a Facebook app and it looks the same on everything. Right. I mean, is that actually true? Because it, when I actually look at the Facebook app that's on the Wind phone and on Android, while their color schemes are the same, they're not the same. They're anymore. not the same, no. Yeah, even the performance is different because yeah, yeah, there's different people writing them. It's not right. one team writing and then distributing to all three right. platforms. It's different. So. But I think when we think about a corporate developer who's going to build an app that's a B2C app for the customers of his company, there isn't a lot of – there's no competition. You're not, nobody else is going to build this app. You're yeah. the only one making that app. Yeah. The biggest thing is it's on all of the platforms that the customers are on. That's the number one thing. So, I, I mean, I do want when we add a new feature, it appears on all of the platforms at the same time. Mm. I think I could live with the fact that I'm going to have to go in and tinker with the UI on each version mm. to support the new feature, mm -hmm. but the back-end stuff's all common. It's the same, yes. But I, there is a moment where I'm going to hit the button and say, okay, deploy to everybody. And they all get a new version of yes. the app. So, do you agree with me, Lino? Like I, I that, do. That's I do, the moral model of a corporate phone app. That, that I agree with that. I agree with that. Sometimes, I mean, you know that people ask for iOS and Android first. Yes. And yeah. then well, now, where the customers are. And now it's not like I'm going to charge another 50% to get you the Windows phone. Right. right. So now with Xamarin, they bring the games like it's no-brainer. I mean, right. if you're going to do all that work for iOS and Android, you might as well get it for Windows phone. And it's like 5% it's or something. It's 5% more yeah. to get the Windows phone in there. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, and that's feasible. Because it's, it's not quite 5% of the market, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's in the ballpark. So I saw James Montemagno today uh, do it, and I recorded him doing a talk. And uh, he was mentioning something to me that's quite intriguing. And, and I just want to validate that. We have you validate that for me and, and see what you're doing about it. So here it is. Um, with portable class libraries and Xamarin, you can the the portable class library is two things, all right? It's the contract or the interface, and it's also the implementation. And you can have a single interface assembly, and then implementation parts of it on your native platform, hmm. right? So what you can do then is write 
native portable class libraries that solve problems um, over and over again. You know, the things that you're going to reuse, make these reusable things. And I wondered if there is a, a sort of a market for it or there's a community where, you know, let's just say somebody wants to standardize the way that they look at GPS data mm -hmm. because, and this is just something I've got experience with, the, the position object in one platform is called the the vector object in another platform or whatever it's called, but they're different and they have different properties, but they're all basically the same. They're, you know, a GPS coordinate with all of the, all of the pieces of metadata that you need. Some have more than others, mm -hmm. but you could standardize on those and make a, a particular portable class library that would be reused. So I wondered if there are, like, is that something that I have to start from scratch doing, or are there already these implementation portable class libraries out there that I can just download or buy or whatever? I mean, remember, the, the portable libraries are have been a, around for a while, but mm -hmm. not yeah. for Xamarin because the license of Microsoft changed That's last right. year. So they were allowed to use So them. it's still pretty new, so these things are going to start showing right now. So now once once they used to say it has to be running only on Windows, and they, then they, they scaled back that in the licensing, and now everybody can actually do that stuff later on, writing PCLs for whatever they want, yeah. and running on iOS and Android. So I think it's still early, but it will get there. Definitely people and companies yeah. will be based on, like, I want to write a, a, a library, a PCL for scanning, yeah. uh, right. for whatever. So do you see a third-party market forming around this? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Even though the culture will need some education as well. Sure. So you have to think about it as like Microsoft um, opened the market very much and they want everybody to do that. But right. Apple, for instance, are not the same kind of culture. They like to do everything inside. Mm -hmm. It has to come from Apple. So that would be interesting to see in the next couple of years if Xamarin will be able to open up the third-party market and make all the stuff happen. And I think it would be good for the economy. Right. Yeah, there's a huge opportunity there. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Know what time it is? Must be that happy time again. Time to squash our urge to change gears and stay true to form. <laughs> Ooh, there's a wind form joke in there. There's well, there's a Xamarin forms joke, but there there's you go. squash. Squash. Change gears. Yes. We're talking with Lino. Yes. Who's a race car driver now. Yep. And uh forms. I got all three things nice. in there. That's a good one. What do you one. think? I think it's a keeper. Yeah. Like that was so funny. <laughs> Oh, that was so, I, I was telling you guys earlier that uh, I told a joke at a party and this woman looked right in my eyes and stared and said, oh, that was so funny. <laughs> I could tell by the way you were laughing hilariously. Actually, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who the winner is, Supercharge your .NET productivity with Telerik DevCraft. This bundle includes over 420 UI controls for all .NET technologies, including ASP.NET, AJAX, MVC, and WPF. Plus, you also receive Kendo UI, HTML5, JavaScript framework, plus productivity reporting and debugging tools. Telerik DevCraft comes with three upgrades per year and Telerik's industry-leading support. Download your free 30-day trial today at telerik.com slash dnr-devcraft. And don't forget to thank him for supporting .NET Rocks. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Dave Clements from London. Congratulations, Dave. 
There's no clappers for you today, though. We're all together. No clappers. Actual claps. And Dave just won a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. And that's a big box of good stuff from Telerik. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we give away great stuff like this. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club but you got to join to win. Yeah. We also like to ask our guests, and this is going to be a hard one, but <laughs> Lino Tadros, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, <laughs> you're like the richest person I know. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, what gadget doesn't what, he have? What gadget could you possibly buy with $5,000? Um, maybe a gold frame for my certification for Lamborghini for car racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so tell us what happened here, your your certification. It was a dream of mine to be a car race driver. So uh, uh, last weekend, uh, after waiting for a couple of years, the Lamborghini actually made their first West Coast certification academia. So I took it and I got certified this weekend by yeah. driving uh, Lamborghini Aventadors and Huracans uh, here in uh, Laguna Seca. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's such a tough track, too. It is a tough track, but it was a lot of fun. You it had to do exhausting. the corkscrew. I did. I did it at 110 miles an hour. Yeah, oh, my God. God. <laughs> that corner's that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, I took both actually turns in one, in one of the laps. So just sort of flew? Yeah, I just flew over it. it so was, this is a hard left-hand turn followed by a hard right-hand turn, and you drop like 60 feet exactly. in that turn. Yeah. Wow. Once you did it for like uh, 20, 30 laps and you start uh, aligning the trees behind each other so that you know exactly what it's going right. to drop, you just take it straight and you take both turns at the same. Because you can't see the drop. No, You're coming you up on a rise and then suddenly you hit. Now you've got to turn left right now and yeah. drop. Yeah. So were they a little nervous when you, you know, because you kind of pushed that car, huh? It was six Italian instructors from uh, from Italy, and uh, the chief instructor, his name is Luca from Italy, he came to me after that lap, and he says, Mr. Tadros, uh, that was beautiful, but please don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, so by the way, before I, we go any further, I just want to explain why it sounds a little different now, because right, uh, right before I did the giveaway, we were approached... Uh, by the people at Microsoft, we had to leave the, the building that right. we were recording in before. And that was yesterday. Right. So this is the day after, and we're at Lino's home. And uh, thank you. Up. So, and we've had finishing a great up. conversation about Xamarin. Right. I really want to talk about Cordova, because since we talked last time in January, stuff's evolved there, too. Microsoft made their announcements. Are you using their product, or how do you do Cordova, or do you? And before we uh, answer that, let's just say Cordova, PhoneGap, same thing, sort of. I mean, that's the it's now Adobe Cordova, but uh, we were talking about PhoneGap before on the show. And if you hadn't made the connection, it's called Cordova now. So, yeah, we actually use everything. Remember, we're a consulting company. Right. We're service whatever the so customer wants. Whatever customer wants. Our job is to go sit down on the whiteboard and explain the pros and cons between hybrid apps and native apps and all that stuff, right? Sure. And see what they're trying to accomplish. And uh, it all depends. A lot of people don't realize this. It's also depending on your resources. Sure. If, if your company has some very good JavaScript developers, yeah. why would you throw all that stuff away and mm -hmm. go write something in Objective-C or Swift or even C-sharp if you have JavaScript developers? So mm -hmm. um, that brings the, the, the whole idea behind the million developers from Adobe. Yeah. Where are they going to go? Right. right. So Microsoft is pretty smart about that. It's like we can actually get a lot of these developers, uh, use Cordova, continue using JavaScript, and still uh, be a first-class citizen to play in the game of mobile today, whether it's iOS, Android. And mm -hmm. So definitely, it's a very smart way to do it. Sure. 
So, and Telerx platform highly uses the Cordova They are after thing the as same well. market, of course, to bring in the platform for Telerx to be it's able pretty. to use JavaScript, um, be able to write your app. And you don't have to be a Microsoft or a specific Apple developer. If you're a, a good JavaScript developer, which the Adobe community is very famous yeah. about, mm-hmm. so uh, you can definitely play in the game right away. Now, uh, Xamarin, when you build iOS apps, you still need a Mac. Cordova has a solution to that? Or do you still need a Mac? Um, every time you're talking about the Apple Store, right. no matter what you're going to do, at the end of the day, you're going to have to have a Mac. Okay. As a matter of fact, a lot of people really? do actually development on a PC, but you still have to have a Mac somewhere. Right. I mean, the that, way I've always had it shown to me, oh, and I okay. think you've done this too, Carl, you have a Mac Mini yeah. just for the deploy. You just need an IP address, and it will go do the round trip and come back, and but you still have to touch a Mac somehow. Okay, wow. but you say you have to have a Mac. You don't actually have to own it. I mean, because there are cloud solutions, You need an IP right? address yeah. that does the job and brings it back to you. That's right. About it. And okay. so there are cloud solutions, like Telerik's platform, I believe, does this. They have the Macs in the cloud. They run all that stuff for you, so you can just use Visual Studio. Yeah, and I believe absolutely. Microsoft now has the same thing, don't they? Yeah, something, yeah. something similar. Yeah, absolutely. That actually came out this year. Actually, Scott Guthrie actually talked about it. Mm-hmm. In the cloud, you can actually do that as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm actually talking about how to the tips and tricks about Cordova at Dev Intersection right. this November in Las Vegas as well. I'm excited about this talk. It's the first time I'll be giving that talk as well. So here's a question. I posed this question to Todd Anglin at FalafelCon while he was talking about this, which I found fascinating. But in doing JavaScript development, I've run up against... Uh, limitations of the browser, not j- necessarily JavaScript, but for example, you cannot in a web page play a, a sound that hasn't been initiated from a user interaction. So I can click a button and play a sound or a wave file or an MP3 file or whatever, and I can do all that, but I couldn't necessarily say have a timer that goes in, you know, a set, as soon as you do a set interval to a function that plays a sound, doesn't matter what third party plugin is playing that sound, it will not play. And so this is be obviously for, and I won't necessarily call it security, maybe we'll just call it sanity, right? So that you don't have apps yelling at you all the time and, and making noise that you didn't ask it to make. And so I wonder if there are, because I know that Cordova works on this plugin principle where you have plugins that are native uh, widgets, if you call them that, that can be called now from JavaScript. But I, seeing as how you still have that layer, that HTML5 layer, where's the security layer? Like, does, do the, is that still a problem when you do a Cordova app or can you get around it somehow? Um, well, honestly, right now, it's moving very fast. So if you were talking to me six months ago, I told you the plugins cannot access the camera, cannot access this, cannot access that. Not all the stuff has been solved. So it's yeah. working very fast yeah. to make you have access straight like first-class citizen to all the, the different sensors and everything on the phones and right. so on. So whenever these things are happening, they are fixing them as fast as possible to give you full access to everything on the well, machine. Well, imagine you have, access, you have access to audio, and that's okay. But I imagine what you really need is to be able to play the audio from the plugin. Like, is there such a thing where you could fire off a plug-in, maybe it could have a timer, and then, you know, and it's if it's working in natively, can it play an MP3 file or something like that? Like, those are the questions that need to be hashed out before yeah. I can commit to doing a, a Cordova project. The experience of my team also is that on the iPhone, because the Safari is in there, mm. it's a little bit more problematic than any other phone. Hmm. So you'll hmm. have to be really gentle with Safari on the iPhone, more than the Android or the Windows phones and all the stuff. Safari is very finicky about uh, the mm-hmm. plugins. Yeah, we keep forgetting that, that Cordova is still browser-dependent. 
And did I read a paper somewhere or an article somewhere that said Safari on the iPhone is the new IE6? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In We're the, making a shirt for it, too. Are you That's really? Funny. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Because it's the old browser out there that a lot of people still use, and it has quirks in how it, in how it renders. So, and again, as we get back to this whole debate around Cordova, which is, can I write this page once and it runs on all the phones? Yes. Yes? Yes. Really? That's the theory. With the asterisk? With an asterisk, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, we talked about this before, Richard. I'm not a big believer in write once run everywhere. Right. That doesn't really work. But in theory, yes, you can actually write it. It's, it's just HTML5 and JavaScript and right. CSS. So if there is a browser running on your phone, you'll be able to run it. Right? Well, I can't seem to make a web page that runs on all of my browsers either. And that's the same thing you're going to get with the Cordova as well. So you'd have to really pay attention yeah. to how the platform. That's why with the Cordova, you can still use something from Telegram like the Kendo UI mobile. Right. That would be responsible for making the app look like it's an iPhone app mm -hmm. or look like an Android app. But you don't have to do all the work, right. putting the menus at the top or the bottom or changing the background, all that stuff. Worry less about that and then your logic and let something like Kendo UI Mobile, for instance, do the rest of the stuff. And there are other JavaScript libraries with Cordova that can do something similar to that. Right. Bootstrap does the same thing as mm -hmm. well. We'll right. make it look elegant, but it's all JavaScript. There's a million of JavaScript plugins and uh, libraries out there that you can definitely use to do that. And I'm not mm -hmm. even worried about, you know, if I'm just building an internal corporate app, I'm just not that worried about look and feel. I just want to be sure that it works on all the devices that my company uses. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, will it break or will it just render badly? Like, what, what happens when stuff doesn't go right? I've seen, for instance, some menus that will will go on top of text. Oh yeah, stuff like that. If something is wrong with the with the uh, CSS three implementation, right. it, if it was using something that the Safari does not like on iPhone, mm -hmm. but again, sometimes I feel like uh, there's a lot of caching happening still, and you just reboot this thing, and it's uh, and it, it comes back. So yeah. if I can make it work on an older iPhone. I could probably make it work on everything else. Like, is yes. that the, is that the linchpin now? Yes, even with the iPhone six that just got released, mm -hmm. I was looking at some of the apps that were not written for iPhone six, mm -hmm. and you can see actually it's a little bit blurry. Uh -oh. It automatically got scaled up, right? Because their screens of, are really high resolution. Yeah, on the new very iPhones. high Retina apps for the six plus and for the six. Right, and I can see that some apps will need to actually be. Uh, redeployed because it looks a little bit fuzzy. You have to really keep looking, but it's definitely not the same. So, and you thought you had no use for your your kid's old iPhone, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, give them to me. Give them to me. Give yeah. them to me. I, I need them. Yeah. But we still get back to this reality of mobile development, which is you want to be sure it works on a device, you better test it on that device. Yeah. yeah. And the amazing thing also, you took the word Xamarin out of the discussion now that we're talking about hybrid. And actually, that's not totally true. Really? Because mm. you can actually do hybrid apps in Xamarin as well. Mm. You, you wow. can actually use JavaScript. You can use Kendo UI. You can do all the stuff to create hybrid apps in Xamarin. The only thing is that you'll have to use the Razor syntax to do that. So it's an ASP.NET MVC, for instance. It's Razor syntax, but you can create hybrid apps in Xamarin and submit them to the store. Now, you say in Xamarin, using Xamarin's tools? Studio. Yeah. Xamarin Studio. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and does that also require um, a sort of the native layer? You know, because it seems to me that that's the, the C-sharp compilers are the, are the reason that you would use Xamarin tools. Why would, why would you use a combination of Because Xamarin is pretty smart as well. I mean, yeah. remember all the million of developers we talked about for sure. Adobe. So why yeah. would they actually drop their status as leaders uh, in their languages and have to start from the beginning using learning C-sharp? So Xamarin's so, taking care of the absolutely. JavaScript developer yeah. as well. Wow, that's cool. You have to just learn Z Razor syntax mm -hmm. right. and then bring in all your JavaScript knowledge and you can start creating hybrid apps in Xamarin as well. And so, that's actually really compelling for ASP.NET developers who are familiar with Razor. You know, that may not 
do as much raw HTML, CSS, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it evolved the uh, the Xamarin Conference next month and, uh, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Falafel is actually showing a full session there about how to build uh, hybrid apps in Xamarin using Razor and JavaScript and wow. UI and stuff like that. Richard, you and I were having a conversation about uh, Humanitarian Toolbox mm-hmm. and, and came to the conclusion that the hybrid approach was actually really good for um, for some of these apps that are uh, need to be deployed in places where we're not on iPhones or not even on Android, where BlackBerry is the kind of the... Well, that was one of the things we ran into. What, what I found interesting about Cordova is it support, you know, we keep talking about the three platforms, right. iOS, Android, WinPhone. There's so many more. But there's Tizen and there's BlackBerry mm. and they're more than that. And they, uh, Bebo, I mean, they're all supported by Cordova. Mm. Yeah. Seven and you guys, or eight different you platforms. You never bring them up and the 12 people that are using BlackBerries are really disappointed <laughs> in you guys that you but don't bring them up. But it's okay. the 12 people in North America. You know, yeah. The big thing we're running into with humanitarian toolboxes is we start working abroad yeah. You know, Tizen's hot in Korea. You know, we don't see it at all here, but there, mm. it's a big deal. So, you know, I'm we're looking at getting apps into the hands of relief workers wherever they are with the devices they have. Mm. And so for us, the, the cross-device support was one of the most important things. It's pretty interesting. I mean, and yes, you'll be using HTML and JavaScript, and, and you may not have this feature or that feature on a particular platform or whatever but you'll be able to do the basic stuff right and, and, and deliver an app and for our volunteers at humanitarian toolbox there are lots of web skills yeah so you know it, it just opens the door for a lot of possibilities for us so it makes sense in some cases yeah, it's, yeah. and it's certainly a, a constant part of the conversation too in the end you have the volunteers the skills you have available to you and the needs to work on all these different platforms and we're just right. trying to find the best answer sure i always laugh about it when people tell me like well android there's a lot of Different devices, different sizes that I have to deal with. There's over 10 of them. Like, mm-hmm. Well, I, I get calls sometimes or emails from China um, with mm. phones that I've never heard of. Like, right. oh, I'm running your app on Hoochie Coochie 700, <laughs> and it doesn't really look good. I mean, they have thousands of different sizes thousands that we've variations never, on never heard of, and yeah. now you have to write this code in such a way that it will have to scale itself under all these phones. Well, that's size. a really interesting part of this mm-hmm. equa- equation overall is how much do you deal with the diversity of Android? I mean, we could be annoyed at Apple for a bunch of things, but the reality is if you make it work on one Apple device, it's probably going to work on all of them. Even if it has this little screen yeah, blurriness, like said, but graphics it's not like Android. It's Android not is broken. seriously different. Uh, well, and it's size. not just different screen sizes. It's different UIs too, right? Like Samsung's got their own UI over top of Android. But if you, if you make a responsive spa type application that does the scaling well and you try, you know, you resize it up and resize it down and sideways and all, you know, it can pretty much handle the screen size issue if it's done right. But, you know, the, it's the other, the other stuff. It's the and that's why a lot of people say, forget all that stuff. Let's just do responsive design. Forget about the right. manufacturer. web. Do responsive yeah. design and use media queries inside of your CSS3. Right, right. And then we'll figure out what the screen size is. 240 by 320, great. There you go. If it's uh, 480 by 800, we'll do it differently. Yeah. So instead of having to worry about Apple and Google and Microsoft and all these guys, right. just do it with responsive design. Well, well that's what we do thing. now. We do media queries and web pages. That's what we do. Yeah. 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 Well, the downside is that it has less access to the the, the sensors, camera, and like but it's still actually you can still have access to the camera, but yeah. other sensors it might be a little bit more difficult. And you're still you're running a website. So what can you access from the web perspective? You said the camera, the GPS, camera, yeah. I think, is available. Yes, also. you can actually do locations, right? Geolocation from it. Um, accelerometer? I think that, I don't think so. I don't think yeah. the accelerometer. I, maybe that changes every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So this, uh, these last time we shifting yeah, too. So, some of the sensors I might. Uh, 
For instance, on my phone, the tasting sensor doesn't work very well. <laughs> actually, you really, really got to stop licking your phone. Actually, the accelerometer <laughs> is supported. It is? In yeah, HTML? And uh, it, it's in Android, Bada, BlackBerry WebWorks, iOS, WebOS, oh, Windows Phone, right. and so, Tizen. Hmm. Um, I'm looking at the Cordova, uh, cordova.apache.org. Nice. And yes, they do. I, w- but I would what, say. That's working through Cordova. I'm Cordova. talking about I'm talking straight about web straight, pages. Straight oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The responsive design is a little bit different. There is no plug in there. No, but, yeah. but if you're using Cordova, that's yeah. why phone, I mean, that's why PhoneGap exists to give right, you access yeah. to all of these things. But if you're running in things. a box, it already have plugins that access everything. Yeah. Right. But if you're not using the plugin. Yeah, if you're not using the plugin. HTML page with responsive design, media queries, and the CSS. It's a little bit different because now you have to worry about if the browser. So that's why I said Safari mm. on the iPhones is a little bit uh, glitchy as right. far as it's the, actually the browser that is most glitchy mm-hmm. regarding responsive design and stuff like oh, that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's very early to the CSS3 too. It's just been around a long time. But yeah, I mean, if I think if you're going to build a web page and you need access to those sensors, you have to, you, you'd be silly not to use the Cordova thing. But, uh, so that begs the question. Can I write an app in Cordova and instead of, you know, sending it to the iOS store or the Android store, can I make something that runs on a PC? Can I make a native app that runs on a PC? It's, with, I mean, the Cordova? plugin will not invoke, but the HTML5, the CSS, and JavaScript will work just fine. Hmm. Right. Uh-huh. So there isn't, there isn't a platform, there is a nothing, PC platform. If you look at the code, there is nothing there really that, forces you like you have to be running on this phone to work i mean it's pure html5 javascript and css but the plugin will make it compile and send it into the box of the the world of uh, of the app store or the google play and, right. and so on yeah what about side loading cardova apps not going to the store i think there is a way to do it now i mean right. uh, it was just a matter of time so now yeah. you can actually uh, uh do that with the enterprise license and stuff like that you can there, definitely do, it. do you know of any limits not that I know of. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's okay. Yeah. Every time something like this happens and people complain about the side loading for enterprises, right? these companies, whether it's Adobe or Microsoft or Apple, they always have to actually um, find, find a, a way, way to make it work. So remember, every time they go out, that's the first thing that people didn't like. Windows Phone, it was a while till we actually get that key that we have to enter to get the enterprise work without going through the store. Mm-hmm. Right. They actually released it, but they didn't release the key, if you remember. So same thing with Cordova as yeah. well. But everything mm-hmm. right now you can actually do with the enterprise. If you remember also Test Flight that we got bought by Apple, right. it, it, we used to use it heavily for iOS and for Android. And after Apple bought them, they dropped the Android, <laughs> which wow. I really miss mm-hmm. very much, which is pretty much like the enterprise um, because you can actually send the link and everybody don't have to go through the store mm. and you can test it all the way on your phone. Mm-hmm. We really missed that on the Android. I'm confused why Apple hasn't updated Safari. Like, even Microsoft pushed a new version of the browser to the phone. Like, it, it seems like something that should be done. Do they want to discourage hybrid apps now? Is, is, do you think there's an incentive for them? You, you know how Apple works. They like to bring it very close to the chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They want to actually be under the certification thing. Your right. app needs to be certified by us. Right. When you open it to something that you don't know about, it's happening on somebody else's server. So they're crippling their browser to stop us from using it. Well, that's apps. a theory. We're, it's a theory. I'm not saying that this yeah. is what they're doing. But, but it, I'm saying this is what we're used to from Apple, just, to be honest with you. I mean, you. it just makes no sense, you know? I remember when we could count on Microsoft to have the browser most out of date. <laughs> At least I knew what my world looked like then. <laughs> now I'm all confused. <laughs> There's a good and bad to everything. Yeah, yeah sure. The chest, I mean, they control the quality, right? Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of people have to abide by the rules. Yes. Some people don't like rules, but in reality, it makes actually the quality better. Look at the Android, the, the Google Play. There's a lot of garbage in there. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Maybe 70, 80% of it is pretty much garbage what's in there. Well, and some of look. it actually hostile, like actually malware too. Yeah. I don't, I'm not wildly impressed with the Apple App Store these days either. What is it, over a million apps now? A million apps. You can't find anything in there. Yeah. Hey, you raise this point every time we talk about uh, mobile apps, and it's, it's not getting any better. No. Well, and, yeah. and I feel like the Microsoft App Store is a train wreck too. Heaven help you if you search on something like Facebook. Yeah, you know, there should be one. Yeah, yeah and, and again, and there's a hundred. And again, and I always bring up this point too that if it's a B two C, you know, if you're like in the consumer and you're trying uh, market and you're trying to get your game out there or whatever, and the App Store is your only way that you market that game, you're never going to get people to use it. But just like I mean, that's why we have Google for the web. It started out when there was three or four websites, pretty easy to find everything. Yep. But uh, yeah, and so I. Th- but I think you know, if you're if you're B two B or you have uh, customers that have accounts or whatever, they come to your like you know our webpage. We have uh, links to our apps on our page. Yeah, that's how people know you how to get them. And it is hard, even knowing the app yeah. is there, to find the app in the store. Yeah, having a link on the website to say, "Here's the app. Go get it." made a world of difference right plus the ever annoying you go to the mobile web pages is we have an app right yeah which one hand it's a service to say yeah you can if you're looking for the app the easy way is just to go to the site on your phone go the extra mile to give me a link to the to the store to the actual store yeah Yeah. but you know it's also if you are perfectly happy with the mobile web page you get annoyed of being thrown at you should go get the app go get the yeah, app go yeah. get the app mm. so lino maybe you could tell us a um a story about an app that you wrote for a customer where you chose a hybrid approach um because of maybe you know and why yeah absolutely we have a, a dealership in dubai for instance so that mm-hmm. wanted to have a presence for the dealership in the middle east and we actually use a telework platform that definitely uses the cordova a car dealership a car dealership yeah mm-hmm. big name over there we actually built the entire app in a telework platform and deployed it and mm. um it was definitely easy to do so who are the customers for the app is this the the employees of the dealership the whole public be able to oh, okay. actually so the, view all the cars available that are new or used from the dealership. All right, the, so they the wanted app. as many different phones as possible. Yes, many forms. So we did it. They didn't want to do it specifically for iOS and another one for Android. Right. Even we suggested Xamarin. We also suggested the Telerik platform. Hmm. And they thought writing it once with JavaScript uh, using the Cordova for Telerik platform would be the right way to go for hmm. them. Hmm. So we did that. So they're the ones who made the choice in the end. This yeah. is the thing We give them the pros and the cons, and they felt a lot more comfortable using the platform to do this. And so do you use the Kendo UI mobile? So it had the look and feel of the native platform absolutely and yeah. it looks you can't the nice thing is that you cannot tell if this app was written natively or uh, with javascript wow you can't, you can't tell and some people say like well the the, the native one is a lot faster well mm. it's not mm. necessarily if, and there is no native one there is like, no native one yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, so yeah. really if they cannot tell and the speed is uh, very very close I yeah mean, this is not a, a, a live or die situation yeah. so if yeah, you have sure. to wait another quarter of a, a millisecond yeah. to do this and that you're not using this app to open your parachute on the way down <laughs> well right? and you know the <laughs> typical scenario for that is uh any kind of gpu thing you know or any high frame rate kind of uh app typically that's off the table for a doctor hybrid. looking at the heartbreak, uh, heart uh, beat right. of somebody yeah. at the table, and all that. I understand. Yeah, but these apps. You're looking at cars, yeah. right? Yeah. You're looking at cars, and Pictures you can go of- very easily beautiful. Uh, screens and mm. being able to get all the information about the cars and mm. uh, ask for more right. information about the car and to be emailed to you and uh, going from one dealer to the other. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it's and, beautiful. And, and so, again, nice. the reason that you chose the hybrid model 
for this particular customer, or did and they chose it? What they we, chose it. We give them the the, the 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 positives and negatives about everything. Right. Yeah. We always have the same exact introduction. These are the pros. These are the cons. But more it's actually it. getting pretty muddy. That's actually it's getting pretty close. Yeah, to yeah, that. yeah. You just choose whatever. Probably would be able to make it to work to what you want. Did, so I mean, are they JavaScript developers? Did they they thought yes. that was an asset. The people that's, that they have over there is JavaScript. So okay. that's why when we brought up this. They said like, you know what? We can take it over after you guys are done, and we can maintain it ourselves. Yeah. Right. So that was a big sell for them. Sure. Well, there you go. What. What devices did you test that app with? We tried it, of course, with all the iPhones, mm-hmm. with the iPads, with the Androids, yeah. and the smart uh, phones from Microsoft, all the Nokia, Lumion. Okay, like so you, you took yeah. it up for a full range of spin, and not necessarily BlackBerry or Tizen or Bata or any of those. I four. think they did some testing with these things on oh, their really? side. So we tested with some, and we also, it's a, it's a relationship between us and the customer. So we right. want to make sure that they can test some. And we test them, and it's amazing. It's, uh, the phones that we are used to in the United States are not the same mm. ones the that are used in the Middle East. So they had to do some testing on their own too, but it went very well. And, uh, is part of that language option too? Like, how much does Arabic impact the way the phone behaves? Lately, for the last couple of years, now customers are really, really pushing that we have to have it in Arabic for right. in the Middle East and stuff mm. like that. We and don't have right, really, and that's right to left text, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of differences. It's a very, very different. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, we don't deal with that actually in our company. So we do it only in English, but we we do understand that we have some members of the team that speak Arabic, including myself. Mm-hmm. But um, we don't actually do that. We actually bundle with another company, for instance, in the Middle East, that do the translation and so on. Mm. Okay. And so here's an interesting situation. What happens if something doesn't render correctly on a particular phone? Who gets the call and who does the support? Is it Telerik that does that or do you... They start with us. Yeah. It comes to Falafel, and we find out if we did something that was unorthodox in the code that made it look like that. Yeah. We investigate it, and we find out that everything, we've done it by the book, and it's a probably a bug inside of the platform itself. Mm-hmm. We have a very good access to the Telerik people, and they will look at it, and they will give us a patch for it, mm-hmm. or um, it w- will show us that maybe we did something wrong. But rarely, we, we will find out that... Um, it's a major problem that we cannot... Because it's pretty robust at this point. It is. Yeah. So, Lino, before we wrap up, can you tell me how to say it works on my machine in Arabic? All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so use that however you want, people. <laughs> Let's keep mothers out of it. <laughs> Lino, always a pleasure to talk to you, my Thank friend. Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure to see you. All right, great. And uh, good luck with FalafelCon next year. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a